Welcome to the IAF Global Regulatory Update Podcast. I'm Martin Boer, Director of Regulatory Affairs at the Institute of International Finance. Today, I'm happy to be joined by Tom Campanile, a partner at EY focused on banking and capital markets, and Mark Watson, Managing Director at EY with a focus on governance and risk management. We are going to be discussing the key findings from the 10th Annual EY IIF Global Bank Risk Management Survey, which has just been released, with a record 115 banks participating, and observes and reports on how banks are managing risks today. Tom and Mark, this is quite a milestone for us as we've been working on the survey together for 10 years now. Mark, can you tell us a bit about the views of the CROs and how they have changed over that 10-year period, and what are the big trends that you're seeing? I think the most important trend over the 10 years was probably initially huge focus uh, logically because of the regulatory agenda around financial risks. So think capital, liquidity, even resolution plans, financial integrity, resilience as it relates to is the industry well placed for another financial downturn. So huge focus on that, probably very dominant in the eyes of the chief risk officer. And then around 2016, you saw a shift you saw an emergence of non-financial risks that I know the IAF spends a fair amount of focus on. So I think technology, I think uh, resilience, cyber being the dominant risk, privacy. So the big trend is probably a move from financial to non-financial. That said, the, one of the risks, or the, in fact, the only risk that really stayed in the top five risks over the past 10 years is credit risk. In the end, banks and financial institutions, they need to manage credit risk, and increasingly so. So it's definitely gone back up the agenda to make sure that people are really focused on the next financial downturn. So you've seen this big shift. I think going forward, as you think about kind of emerging risks, I think that the whole story around non-financial is just going to continue. Great. Tom, similar question for you. Looking back over the same period of 10 years, how has the role of the CRO evolved? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's one of the benefits of being able to line up all 10 of these surveys Mm. over the period. It's really a history of the CRO function in banking post-crisis. When you look at where we were pre-crisis and at the beginning, very much focused on modeling risk, controlling risk, setting limits. One could argue maybe more of a back office or a compliance driven function to you fast forward to today, you look at some of the emerging risks that will go into things that'll be important over the next 10 years. And you see the changes in influence and stature of the chief risk officer. Yes, we still measure, manage and control risks. That's core to what we do. But we're now trusted business advisors to the front office, to the business, to senior management, to the board. As we look at these new and emerging risks and how they're going to manifest themselves, you've got risk officers at the table really providing advice, not just on the downside risk, Mm -hmm. but on outside risks and what we're willing to tolerate and upside risks and what we're willing to pursue. So it's it's just been an incredible evolution. And I I, I love in particular the section of the server where we look at things over the 10 years and how these priorities have shifted and the role has shifted. Yeah. Very interesting. Mark, if we look specifically at the 2019 results, as a whole. What are the biggest eye-openers for you there? There's two big um, findings. One is really, as we move from a, what is the priorities over the next 12 months view of the world to a, what's the priorities over the next five years, you see a pretty significant focus on data. So if you look at the top 10 risks in the next five years, five of them are related to data, data privacy, data integrity, data availability, privacy, and the use of data in machine learning and AI. So data becomes a real big story over the next mm-hmm. uh, the next five years. And within that, you see disruption from technology, from competitors, 
uh, you see climate change. So there's there's this kind of very big change and shift from a 12-month view to a five-year view. Then, as Tom mentioned, as you then look at a 10-year view, you then start getting into some pretty significant risks, some of which exist today. I think cloud, cyber, privacy, some new ones like climate change, big focus on geopolitical risk, the impact of changing customer demand and how your products will need to evolve in your risk management. So I think you see this kind of shift from a natural evolution on this financial to non-financial, but to a different set of risks. And then frankly, the next 10 years, the big 10 risks that we've got in the report are really big challenges that most financial institutions are going to have to deal with. Any one of them is a significant risk. 10 of them at the same time over a 10-year period is going to be really challenging for financial institutions. One of those risks is the financial downturn. The question is not if, it's when, and when it comes, is it severe? So you've got to manage through this financial downturn, maybe severe, and then you've got to manage 10 other risks. And frankly, we could have had another 15 risks. There's a lot of big risks out there. If we look at the financial risks and the non-financial risks separately for a moment, Tom, capital, liquidity, traditional financial risks are always going to be important to some extent for CROs, right? So given that the final Basel III package has just been agreed and the rules are going to be implemented, do you see sort of a bounce back for the CROs on the regulatory focus? Yeah, another great question. You know, it's, it's good that the rules are final. I think implementation's gone well. I think the list of risks that Mark just went through, yes, it's biased towards non-financial, but you know, lest we forget capital and liquidity and credit are king in terms of the banking industry. They have never gone away, will never go away. I think the results this year probably speak to, you know, let's take a step back as an industry and take some credit for the improvements that have been made. If we go back to where we were during the first survey, a lot of those improvements are now institutionalized. We're better capitalized. We've got a better handle on liquidity. We've got great tools. But what are we certain of? We're certain we could refight the last war, right? What will the next war look like um, remaining on guard for things that could impact capital, liquidity, credit going forward mm-hmm. is critical. Every one of the things that we would deem as non-financial risks that are set, kind of teased out as priorities in the survey if not identified, controlled, reduced down to a level that we're comfortable with, they will have earnings and capital impact. They could have liquidity impact. Yeah. They could impact credit quality. So I think we believe capital, liquidity, credit, they remain at the heart yeah. of risk management. They'll always be critical. It's great that the Basel reforms have been largely implemented mm-hmm. at this point, And now we've got to continue to tweak the models, stay on top of them, use the technology and the innovation that we yeah. brought to bear to simulate what could happen and what could go wrong. And let's look ahead to what that next war may be and ensure we're well capitalized and Mm -hmm. with adequate liquidity. Yeah. So they're all interconnected. Absolutely. Yeah. If we look at the non-financial risks for a moment, Mark, you mentioned cybersecurity and, you know, other non-financial risks being top of the agenda for both CROs and for their boards. Can you elaborate a bit more on what changes you are seeing and how the banks are approaching these areas and how they're engaging around these topics? I think one of the words that you just mentioned is really important here, which is kind of interconnected. I think what we're seeing is you've got all these seemingly disparate risks, but in fact, they're very much connected. So it's hard to talk about cybersecurity without talking about privacy. It's hard to talk about privacy without talking about third parties. It's hard to talk about the three of those without talking about resilience. So I think it's this this kind of interconnected degree of these risks. Interestingly, even if you look at geopolitical risks, number one equal geopolitical risk is cyber warfare. So even risks that you think are not related are related. Mm. Um, And so in the last 10 years, probably a lot of the risk management has been built somewhat siloed. 
So a big theme in the report is how do you how do you have a more integrated view of risk? How do you have more efficient management of risk? How do you use data more effectively? And all of those themes are going to be that much more important as you manage 10, 12, 15 non-financial risks. Clearly, though, there are very specific issues as it relates to the risks that present themselves on each one of these different risks. So if you read the report, we're very clear about well, what's different about this risk. What are the risks as it presents? And then we ask in most areas, what is the role of risk management, particularly the second line, because the three lines of defense story has been by far the most consistent story in the 10 years we've been doing the survey. As you've seen a build out, as, as Tom mentioned, the first line, the businesses, technology, what's their role as it relates to managing risk. Second line, particularly risk management, but also compliance. And the third line, internal audit's got a big role to play here. Yeah. And so you can see in every one of these risks, They're not things that are kind of outside of the realm of risk management. They're actually core to risk management. The second line has a very big role to make sure the first line managing these things. The third line has a very good role to make sure the first and second line are managing these. And so that integrated story, and then to Tom's point, just because there's been this evolution, in the end, you have to translate these non-financial risks into financial risks, right? So there's an integrated kind. It's not those guys over there and those ladies over there are managing these risks. It's the same team. So I think what's going to really challenge the industry is a lot of very complex risks. And again, very hard to piece, you know, pull them to pieces to kind of manage them separately. You've got to have risk, compliance, audit, everybody talking yes. about kind of an integrated view of risk. Yeah, that, that's the most interesting area of these non-financial risks is when you look at them, unlike market or credit and liquidity, where we know who owns the risk in the front line, we know the levers they can pull to change that risk. And the second line's pretty discreet and focused. Non-financial risk exists everywhere, right? We've got control programs, different functions, frameworks, controls, testers all over the organization, this is a real opportunity that we see for operational risk functions, which were really created, if you go back to their infancy, it was created to come up with a capital number, right? right? Because we yeah. felt it was important um, and a lot of work was done there. But now we've built these tools to identify, assess, measure non-financial risks, collect data on loss events and root causes. Operational risk really has that ability now to step up and be the umbrella okay. for all things non-financial. How do we identify them, measure them, respond to them, and do that in a consistent way? Yeah. You both mentioned compliance. If you look at the group of conduct, compliance, financial crime, they're all sort of related, and they're very critical issues. And I was just wondering, Tom, you know, are there critical issues among the top 10 also yes. often, right? So what are some of the main trends you're seeing in this area, Tom? And are there any regional perspectives we can mm -hmm. tease out of the numbers? Yeah. So th these have been, again, consistent features of the top 10. Whether we use the word conduct or culture, whether we're looking at broad compliance or financial crime as a discrete topic, consistent focus on these. What we have seen, I think, is things that have, might have started out more regional in nature, right? UK was probably first out of the gate to have a conduct regulator or an explicit conduct regulator. It's now accepted risk management that you need conduct risk in your framework that has gone global. Mm -hmm. um, financial crime, obviously, some regulators took a stand on it earlier than others. It is now a global concern. It remains a global concern. You look at the societal impacts of what could happen if we're not good and, and diligent on financial crime, and we realize how important it is. So yes, regional perspectives, but they're truly global critical issues. I think the biggest trend I've seen, again, looking over the 10 years is compliance and some of the more conduct rules-based related areas have come out of the legal discipline and they're viewed as part and parcel with risk at this point. These are risk management topics. 
Yes, they're rules-based, but we need to have frontline ownership. We need to identify risks. We need to measure them here, and then we need to respond to them and mitigate things. So you're seeing the CRO and the chief compliance officer, the head of FinCrime, more in partnership than we've ever seen before. Yep. Great. Mark, I wanted to come back to the non-financial risks. And you could argue that the non-financial risks also require non-traditional tools and sort of new tools. If we look at the areas of machine learning and AI, which are two subjects that were featured prominently in our survey and in the report, I was wondering what sorts of opportunities are banks finding by using these new tools? It's a, it's a great question. And I mentioned earlier on, um, with regards to the five years, two of the 10 issues that uh, people focused on was the use of AI and the model risk management around AI. So then if you go into uh, your question around deployment, for the most part, if you ask today who's using, at an industrial level, who's using machine learning and AI, a lot of it is in the area we were just discussing for financial crime. And a lot of it is in operational efficiency. So uh, those jobs that are done by human beings today that are quite menial, uh, routine, can you actually use AI machine learning? Sure. But if you then look at the survey, we asked a number of questions around an area you focused on at the IAF, the use of AI and machine learning in credit decisioning, credit extensions, or in audits, in testing, in model validation, in compliance. You see this pretty significant increase in use today versus use five years from now. And then not just using, using substantially more. So then the real question is, well, what controls and risk management do you put around that process? And in the report, we call it uh, Model Risk Management 2.0 because you've got a lot of disciplines already inside the organization about how you identify, validate, test models. And really, it's taking those same disciplines and then applying them to AI and machine learning. And frankly, a lot of the risks are really around, do you know where it's being used? Do your customers know that it's being used? Do you know the data is clean and not biased? There are a lot of risks. So I think actually moving rather quickly to actually deploy risk and compliance matters around it is going to be very important just because you're seeing this kind of, rather than it just being in an isolated couple of areas, machine learning and AI is the future. And the future is five years from now. It's not 15 years from now. So risk management has got to get ahead of that and really think about how do they deploy Interestingly, when you asked what kind of skill sets do you need, number two was people who know how to use model risk management in the AI and machine learning context. It was just behind cyber. Mm. So, you know, that skill set of people understanding the real math behind AI and machine learning and attaching that to the risk management colleagues who understand model risk management is going to be deeply important going forward. So the world definitely seems to be changing fast. And two other topics that were highlighted by the CROs were climate change issues and geopolitics. And Tom, if I can ask you separately on those two issues. So on climate change, climate risk, this is the first year that it really came out you know, as a major yes. priority. I'm sure it's been a priority before, but now it's really top 10. And how do you see that evolving? And, and how do you see the firms working on this? So it's really become real for banking. And I'd also tie it back to the question we talked about at the beginning, the role of the CRO and how that's changed. A decade ago, would we have seen chief risk officers pulled into conversations on climate risk? I'm not sure we would have. When you look at it now, they're being asked again as a trusted advisor to the business, what does this mean? Not as an emerging risk or a horizon risk or, you know, some externality we can do nothing about, but let's look at our business. Let's look at the businesses we're in, the clients and industries we deal with, the credits we underwrite. What could go wrong, right? That's the foundational question of risk management. Let's use these tools we've built 
to look at what could happen under different climate change scenarios, under different two degree type scenarios, as, yeah. as the industry talks about. What's the impact on our business? What should we be doing about that? And then also back to that changing role of the CRO, that there's downside and outside risk. But what are the upside risks here? What can we be doing around responsible, sustainable finance? And how can we get involved there if we're passionate about it as a bank? What are the opportunities for us? Uh, so it's just a great example yeah. of CRO as a trusted advisor getting in the middle of some of these new and emerging risk topics. Yeah. Similarly, uh, geopolitics is obviously also a very big theme with you know possible trade wars and with populism and lots of uncertainty mm -hmm. in the world right now. To what extent do you feel the CROs are feeling there's more uncertainty than in the past? And what are they doing about it to model these changes? So certainly a lot of uncertainty out there. And I think that came out in the results, a lot of different scenarios in terms of things they're ranking as high on their mind in this space. What they're doing about it, again, let's look at all the infrastructure we've built this ability to model different scenarios at a granular level and simulate our business over multiple quarters, we now have the tools in the risk function to answer some of these questions for the board and for the business. So let's take these things that in the past were uncontrollable, outside risk externalities. Let's run a simulation. Let's model our business. Let's look at what could happen. And then let's use that to help the business make good decisions on this. Again, it's a, I will keep going back to the CRO has arrived. Uh, he or she are at the table for some of the most important conversations in banks. Great. Mark, uh, let me ask you in a closing, you know, also as an advisor at the major financial institutions, what sort of advice do you give to your clients when it comes to making their organizations more resilient, given all these changes that are happening in the world? I think one of the biggest changes we identified as we talked about is this move from financial to non-financial but if you look at the regulators and take somebody like Mark Carney, the governor of the Bank of England, a couple of years ago, he said we'd moved from really focused on financial resiliency to operational resiliency. And you can see that the institutions are now focused, whether it's cybersecurity, whether it's a third party failing, whether it's their IT failing, a real focus on how do we make sure that we know what we deliver to our customers and clients and that we can do that in an undisrupted way. So I think there's a huge focus on what are the capabilities we need to manage through crisis. We're in a world of when, not if. So something will happen. We can all see the extreme weather events globally in the US and, and, and elsewhere. We can see that you know some institutions struggle with their third parties. And when the third party goes down, they go down. So a lot of it is around preparation. A lot of it is a lot you can do to be prepared. How will you manage through a crisis? How will you engage the management team? How will you engage your regulators? How will you engage the board? How will you communicate to your employees? How will you communicate to external parties? And then there's a lot of integration of capabilities between disaster recovery, business continuity, incident response, crisis management, crisis communications. Those tended, again, that word integrated, they tend to be very disparate functions. And you can see firms bringing those together because, again, we're just seeing more and more disruption caused by different things. And so I think the story going forward, there's a lot of these new risks we're talking about, but I think Mr. Carney is probably right. There's a huge focus. We've got to maintain financial resiliency and at the same time, make sure we have operational resiliency. And again, I know that the IAF has been very involved in the work of the Basel Committee and others. I think this is a theme that's going to continue. But preparedness is a real big thing that we put out to our clients. Get ready, assume it's going to happen, and make sure you know how you will make decisions in crisis because it's really hard to figure out what your decision making is when you're in the middle of a crisis. Any final thoughts that you wanted to add, Tom? No, I think it goes back to the comment I made before. Mark articulated it well. Mm -hmm. It's we got to think about the next war. 
right? And let's war game it. Let's look at the different scenarios. Let's look at our preparedness. Let's test our preparedness and just think through what those scenarios could look like. Well, thank you both, Tom and Mark, for joining me on this IIF Global Regulatory Update podcast. The report has been released. It's available both on the EY and on the IIF websites. So I would encourage our listeners to grab it as it's a very interesting report. So thank you again, both. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you both, Tom and Mark, for joining me on this IIF Global Regulatory Update podcast. The report has been released. It's available both on the EY and on the IIF websites. So I would encourage our listeners to grab it as it's a very interesting report. So thank you again, both. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you.